Father, thank you for this conference. We thank you for the opportunity to come together. We pray, Father, that you would keep us awake. It is that time of the morning. We pray that you would pour your spirit into our hearts through the word, through other things that are shared, Father, through the material. Father, through your Holy Spirit that just speaks to us, it might not even be about anything we're covering. But, Lord, give us ears to hear your spirit as you pour through us and to us. Father, we thank you today for each leader who's here. Some of them may not even believe that they are leaders or feel like they are leaders. Or, Father, maybe they're just tired leaders. And so we ask you to just give us your power and your strength. I pray that the words that I say will only be the words that you give me to say. I pray, Father, that you would then... Allow them to hear only what you want them to hear. Father, thank you that you are our leader. You are the ultimate leader and that you are our strength and that we can grow in you, Father, and grow in our strength as a leader. We thank you again for every single one here. I pray that whatever they are going through, that you would meet them at their point of need, Father. Give them wisdom into the difficult situations that they're in. And, Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Any, did I lose anybody during the prayer? Is everybody still awake? Okay. We're going we're gonna to try to stay with it. Okay. Uh, my name is Jay Martin, and I am doing my own ministry now. But for 10 years... Ten and a half years, worked at North American Mission Board as the women's evangelism strategist. Prior to that, I was at Houston's First Baptist Church and worked as minister of evangelism, women in prayer with John Bassanio, who you will get to hear in a few minutes. Um, Say a word of prayer in your heart for him right now. I think he's having just a little bit of a health issue this morning. And so do pray for him as he is trying to prepare and, and get ready to come. We want his health to, to hold up. And he's a phenomenal leader. And I was the overexcited housewife that he did not know what to do with. But thank you, Lord, for a man who said, Even though this woman is driving me crazy, I am going to figure out something for her to do. And so with his wife, Aldine, they invited me to come on their staff and to start doing women's ministry. This was, and I say, as some of you can understand, most of you can't, back in the day that there was not women's ministry. There were people ministering to women. There was WMU, but there wasn't a a formal women's ministry position in churches. And so I was one of those first people to get to serve as a minister to women and served there for eight years before going on staff at NAM. And then the last seven years, I have been working at Southern Seminary, directing their women's leadership area and also teaching. And so I am still an adjunct teacher there, but I have just moved into a new season of life. And I'm just back to just doing evangelism and leadership training, and I'm so excited about that. There was a gentleman in our ministry years ago who um, has really done well in business and has provided some needed funds, of course, for us to be able to do this. So I'm very excited. Uh, Is my daughter still around? Is she still in here? She may not be. She was handing out this stuff in the morning. She is also working with me, and her name is Kelly, 
Martin, and she is a student. She just graduated as a student at Southern Seminary, so um, she's excited to be here, and this is all new to her. So I know many of you are coming from all different places, and so we're going to dive in right now and talk about leadership strengths. I will tell you that I have done everything the hard way and the wrong way, okay? I'm not one of those people who, who said, oh, let's open the textbook and let's learn this, and then everything was okay, because as much as I might have learned something, I did not necessarily do it, and then I had to learn the hard way. So a lot of the, the truths that I share with you today will be things that, that I learned from going through them. Don't have all the answers, and still learning. So just bear with me on that. Okay, first of all, let me ask the question, which I asked a few of you earlier. You Hopefully, many of you got a rubber band when you came in. How is a rubber band like a leader? Who wants to tell me? What's it? Yes. Flexible. What else? Holds things together. Absolutely. As a leader, we have to hold things together. Stretches. Ever feel stretched as a leader? Amen. Yeah. What? It can only hold so much. I didn't even have that one written down. That's excellent. Can only hold so much. It's not designed to hold any more than a certain amount. What else? Yes, sir. Stronger when stretched. I, I was reading in the dictionaries and stuff online, and it says that when you stretch it, it exudes heat. And I, didn't, I never knew that. So they were suggesting you put it in your mouth and stretch. And I was thinking, nah, that, I'll, just take their, I'll just take their word for it. But sometimes we heat up as leaders, don't we? Sometimes there are things that challenge us. So a leader, we want a rubber band to be faithful. We want our leaders to be faithful. We want a rubber band with integrity. I want my leaders to have integrity. I want to have integrity as a leader, okay? Lots of things that we could spend all day talking about. So I want you to think about that. How can I be as effective as I can be with the design that God had for me? Some rubber bands are bigger than others. Some hold more. They're designed for different things, and they're all... there's. Lots of numbering systems on them, and, and you can do different things with them. You ever pulled apart a rubber band and the, and the thing broke? We don't want to break, do we, as a leader? We want to be aware. If you take a rubber band and it sits in the heat for a long time, I can attest to this. I, I got a whole bunch years ago and then didn't use them and had them over in the attic and I pulled them out. Pop, 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 pop. They were, none of them were any good. When we don't use the strength that the Lord gives us, it goes. Lots of qualities. Think about this. What qualities does a rubber band have that you want your team to have? What are some of those things that you want your team to have? They're the same. Yeah, doing what they're designed to do, do what they're created to do, being faithful, having integrity, being strong, all of those things. When I think about enlisting leaders, one of the things I think about with rubber bands is you, do, you don't want to put a leader in the wrong place. You don't want to put a team member somewhere where they're not ready to lead yet. You want to give them just enough that stretches them, but not enough to make them crack. 
So there's a lot of analogies we can make, and so that's why I handed out that instead of um, a handout. I'm, I know you're excited to go home with a rubber band. Okay, first of all, let me just share some things. They're, they're not new things to you, but I want to remind you as we start about looking at growing my leadership strengths. First of all, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. Do not forget, as a leader and being in leadership and having a leadership team, this is the body of Christ. All the parts of the body are important. I don't know what your ministry looks like. I don't know if you're looking for someone else and maybe you're church planning and it's just you right now. And there's not anybody else to build a team. So you have to think about how can you grow yourself as a leader to attract team followers. But some of you are going to have people who are already with you. And just bear with me. I'm sure this has never happened to you. But quite frequently, I'll get a group of leaders, and maybe there'll be five or six. And there's a couple of them I really don't really want. Do do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, they're those people that you just go, seriously, Lord? I mean, you know, I know I needed help, but I really don't need it that badly. Okay? I want to just remind you, this comes from the Lord, not from me. Don't shoot me. I'm just the messenger. Every part of the body is there for a reason. And so part of the challenges you're going to have is how do you involve that person? How do you find their strength as a leader? How do you develop them as a leader without going crazy yourself? Okay? And so let's remember that all of the parts of the body are very important. And so we need to remember that and not throw people out. The next verse I want to put up comes from Mark three thirteen through 15. It says, Then he went up on the mountain, and he summoned those he wanted. And he came to him. He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. There are a lot of things in here. If we had a few minutes, we could sit and pull that apart. But the part I want to call your attention to today is that he appointed 12. He took a group of them. He called them out, not so that he could do all these other things. But I want you to note the line that says, that they might be with him. That they might be with him. Jesus appointed people not because they already got it, not because they had all the answers and all the parts and all the spiritual gifts, although I love to build teams on spiritual gifts, but he pulled these people so that they could be with him and learn from them. As you know, he pulled people who were not educated, although some of them were. Everyone didn't have to meet a certain physical requirement. He looked at the people that were there and he invited those, probably those who were faithful, probably those who he saw potential in, probably those who were available and could leave their home and their family and come with him. We don't see the rest of the story. There may have been others who he really wanted on his team. Have you ever had that happen? There's some people you go, man, 
I wish I had him on my team. I wish I had her. Why, Lord, why can't I have somebody who can do this? And so we just spend time with them. And so part of being a leader is not enlisting someone to lead all the areas of ministry that we have, but spending time with them. Because when I just pick out my leaders and throw them out there, then I'm never spending time with them. And sometimes it frustrates me. I just have to tell you, I'm very, I'm, I'm very people oriented sometimes, but I'm, I'm very driven. And so I get much on, on the, I can't talk. I get on the task and I want to get the task done and I want to get it accomplished. And if you're going with me, come on, we're going. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to leave you behind over here. But God often convicts me. I need to go behind and I need to just walk life. And that's part of the process and part of the training. So I want to remind us all as we look at growing my leadership strengths and the strengths of my team benefiting from that, I also want you just to remember that, yes, the purpose is the Great Commission. Yes, the purpose is to make disciples. But we walk with them because Jesus, what? He came in flesh to show us how to do it. You, you are Jesus to people. You are, you are to those people who don't know him, but you are to your leadership. You're teaching them how to walk through difficulties. Many times you're learning yourself, and that's okay. And when you make a mistake, you say, wow, I just blew it. I made a mistake yesterday, and I want to apologize to you. Or I led you this way, and I now am convicted that that was not the right thing to do. Maybe you got mad and lost your temper. That's happened to all of us. Maybe something happened, but you come back to your team and you ask for forgiveness and you walk with them and you say, we're going to figure this out together. We're going to pray together and, and learn together. So enlisting the team, what did Jesus do? He appointed the team. He, he, so he picked them. He spent time with the team in order to transfer the truth. He communicated the purpose of the team and he empowered the team to act. Now, let me camp on the part I haven't camped on yet, and that's communicate the purpose of the team. I do a fair amount of consulting and have over the years just because of the strategic planning area I've, I've naturally been a part of. And so as I go into churches and as I go in to analyze whether it's a women's ministry or a group that's trying to start a new ministry somewhere, I often say, does everyone on your team know what the purpose of the team is? And the response I usually get is a laugh because people say, oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, everybody knows. But when you start asking people individually, what's the purpose of this? And for me, in the area of, of ministry to women, people say, what's the, the purpose of a ministry to women in a local church? You would not believe the answers you get. Just like, what's the purpose of your church plant? Is it for everyone to, to just hang together like they just talked about in the main session? Is it, it's the Great Commission, right? We have to constantly be making sure people understand what we're doing. Most of us are so churched, we get it. But they don't get it. And so we have to communicate that. And Jesus always did that. And he empowered the team to act. We have to give them authority and not pull it back. 
Anybody here, you don't have to confess, but I will, served under a micromanager, okay? You know what I'm talking about? Where someone gives you stuff to do and then they take it back because they don't think you can do it as well as they can. Just know right now, nobody's going to do it as well as you do. They're just not, okay? But you've got to let go of it anyway. You've got to empower them to act so that they can learn. You walk with them. You're a part of what they're doing, but he empowered the team to act. If I were Jesus, I wouldn't have given any of us anything. Sorry, I know you're a great group, but I wouldn't have given me leadership ability. Okay, the leader is the key to building and enlisting teams. The leader is the key. We've already talked about how that rubber band has the qualities. And if I want my team to look like that, then I as a leader have to be like that. I have to strive for God's leadership and his strength to work and to grow me and to work through me. Luke 640 says, a student is not above his teacher, but when fully trained will be like his teacher. People in your ministry are going to look just like you. Isn't that scary? There are times I've looked back and I thought, man, my group, they are just, they're just not enthusiastic about the Lord anymore. They're not really reaching people for Christ. They're not sharing their faith. And I have to look in the mirror and say, oh, it's, you know, I'm kind of slacked off on that a little bit. I mean, I'm not doing the things I did. Or maybe it's that, you know, they all, you know, want a day off and, and you want a day off or an extra day off or something. Whatever it is that could be little things, big things. We don't mean to do like other people do, but that's what happens. It's like follow the leader. Somebody starts something and everybody gets up and goes. I have to confess that one of my things that I love to do as a, as a high school or in college person was to go shopping. And I still like to do that a little bit, not a lot. But as I go, we used to do this thing where we'd act like we were like something was a really good bargain, like, wow, look at these glasses. Can you believe what a great deal this is? And you know what happens? People come over in the store. They come over and they start, oh, maybe, I mean, maybe they're a good deal, okay? People just naturally follow enthusiasm and they follow other people. So you've got to be very careful as a leader to make sure that what you're doing is something you want people to follow. So the leader is the key. What should a team leader look like? We're going to look at that. Characteristics of a team leader. And these are not all. These are just a few that I want to highlight. Knows your own spiritual giftedness. Knows your own spiritual giftedness. I need to know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. There are some things I am good at. There are a lot of things I'm not good at. One of the things I'm not good at is I'm not good at keeping up with details. Someone will look at a strategic plan I've written and say, wow, you, you know, you've got a lot of details. Oh, I can think them, but don't make me keep up with them because I will leave something. I have to have a stack of everything that's going to a certain conference, and even then I can leave something. I am not the person to hand money to somewhere, and if somebody's trying to hand me a check to pay for a conference, I just have to go, oh, You need to give it to somebody else because I'm not going to be the best one to do that. I teach, but my gift is really an equipping gift. 
And so when I need a really strong teacher for a Bible passage, yes, I can do it. Yes, I've got seminary degrees, okay? But I definitely know that that is not my strength. And so you need to say, what what are you good at? If your gift is gift of service, then let someone else do some other things. If you're not the charismatic leader and you need a really just an on-fire enthusiast and encourager out there, then get someone who can fill that void on your team. Look for people who will complement your own strengths, but you've got to know what you're good at and be willing to say, hey, I'm not going to be good at everything. And it also communicates to them, I need you. I desperately need a team that does, yes, some things I do, but does some things I don't do. I've just hired a lady in Houston to work with me, and she is the opposite of me in just about every single thing. She is excellent in the things that I'm not excellent in. And so we want to know what what we're good at. One book I would recommend to you is the Strength Finder 2.0 by Tom Rath. How many of you have ever done Strength Finder before? Okay, that's funny. This side of the room, more people have done it. So y'all need to minister to this side of the room. It is a great tool. I find that it does line up with biblical truth and spiritual truths. And so it helps you to assess what you're good at. And and so that's one thing that I would give you, would say to, to look at. Then you need to understand your own personality. I can be outgoing here, but in truth, I'm probably a little bit more introverted. So if I'm in a leadership position, I can come say, hey, great to know you. Guys, we're so glad you're here. I'm impressed that you're here. Even if somebody drug you here, I'm impressed that you're here. And, you know, when we can talk and I can ask you questions, if it's just me going in a room somewhere, I'm probably going to feel ridiculous going up to these young men on the front row saying, hi, what are you doing here? They'd go, what's that lady talking to me for? Okay. But I have a lady who works with me, Tracy Jones, who many of you know. Mary has worked with us for a long time. And Tracy's very outgoing. And people are drawn to Tracy. When she and I are doing something together, they don't form a line to talk to me. They form the line to talk to Tracy. And she loves on them, and she encourages them, and she prays with them. And that complements who I am and what I do. Then aware of your own strengths and weaknesses. What are my weaknesses? If I have a tendency to waste time, then I need to make sure somebody is with me so that I'm accountable to that person. I need to put those barriers up in my life, but I also need to understand where I can help someone else and the team can come together. Season of life is important. I really don't think we hear enough about season of life because what I'm talking about is we all go through different seasons. Some of y'all are obviously in the season of life that you're young, you're, you're single, you are um, maybe thinking about whether you want to go to seminary, maybe you've just gone to seminary and you're looking for that position, but that's a certain season of life that you're in. Maybe you, if you're not married, you don't have that responsibility. Once you get married, you have the responsibility of a wife or you wives your husband and you have a you start the family and that's a different season of life I can do things now not having a preschooler at home that I could not do when I had a preschooler at home it's important for you to know your own season I am now entering a season of life that we're definitely in the empty nest and our parents are getting older 
and they are not yet requiring more, but I have a lot of friends in that season who are giving care to older people. They're giving care to their adult children who have a lot of needs and still have a lot of financial issues as well. Grandchildren come along. I know people who are raising their grandchildren. Whatever season of life you're in is going to affect your ministry. Now, it's also true with the women and the men that you enlist to serve on your team because they are in a certain season. And there are times that they may want to be at the church or at your um, organization's, you know, meeting you know, wherever your church planning and want to be out there every single day and every single night. But you know what? They don't need to be because of the season of life that they're in. And so you need to look at it. What, what is it? How is this going to affect the overall? And certainly, like I said, for yourself, you need to know where you are. You are not going to be able to do as much as you thought you could do, but it's just for a season. It's just for a season. So don't hate the season you're in, but just go with the flow. You need to see task and you need to see people, right? If you're a people person as a leader, you can't just be with the people because God's called you to get some things done. But if you just get some things done, you're probably not going to have a lot of people with you. So you've got to find that balance that you're with certain people and you're, and you're, not with other people. I have found, and I'm sure everybody in here could go through and attest to what has been effective for them, but I have found that it is effective for me to block out certain hours of the day that I know are for me to dive in and study or get some work done, whether it's email or returning phone calls or something where I'm really diving into things. I have also found that it is that because I can get lost in my work and never go out of my house for a week because I'm so busy working that I also need to make sure that I'm, I'm making time to go and see my lost neighbors, that I take that time to go. If a lost neighbor wants me to go to lunch with her, then, wow, I'm thinking I'm too busy to do that. Really? Because... I shouldn't ever be too busy for my lost neighbor to go to lunch. But I have to not do that every day. So I have to plan it and have to say, these, you know, this week I'm going to do one lunch with this or one uh, with this person in this category. I mean, however it works for you, but to block out certain things so that you are balanced because balance is huge. And then obviously a team leader needs to be able to lead. It's just a detail, but... Have you ever sat under a leader who said, well, I mean, I don't know. What do y'all want to do? And, and you're saying, okay, well, maybe this, but wh- wh- what do you want us to do? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. There's so many things we could do. Okay, t- just tell me. Tell me because I'm going to go somewhere else. I may be a strong leader, but I need to be under a strong leader. And you typically do not attract people who are stronger leaders than you are. That doesn't mean you have to have the same gifts, but you need to have people. You need to be able to lead and follow so people can lead and, and follow you. The team purpose. We've talked it. We hit on this a minute ago, but we need to make sure that the team, number one, has a purpose. Okay? What is the purpose? Get it down. One of the best things you can do is take a group of people, your team, especially if you have a young team, but it works for even a 20-year-old team, Pull them together and say, hey, why do we exist? 
you may know why you think they exist, but they may not have ever thought through it. Let them think through it. Most of our organizations in Southern Baptist life and most many of our churches will sit down with their team and, and start going through and say, okay, what is it? What are we really about? You know, let them think through the different words that we could use and how we could do that, okay? So you want to make sure you know your purpose and your team knows your purpose so that you are all going in the same direction. Not only do you want to communicate what the purpose is, but why. Why are we doing it this way? I'm not really a why person. Have you heard that before, that some personalities want to know who? Who's telling me to do that? Some want to know, what do you want me to do? Some want to know, why are we doing this? And some people want to know how. You need some of all those people on your team, okay? You may be a, just tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. But there's going to be somebody sitting there who says, why? And you may just think, that's so obvious. It's just so obvious why. But you're going to have to spell it out for them. You're going to have to spell out the how to some of those people. Now, because I'm not a how person of how something needs to happen, I often will say, I don't care how. I just want it to happen. So I'm going to entrust you as our how person to know how to lead that. Does that make sense? So, so for me, someone who's uh, really detailed, which fortunately, thank you, Lord, most of the people, my secretaries and other people that, that I really can work with are people who are those how people. I'll say, if I know how, I'll tell you, this is how. If I don't, then just go with it. And if you want to run across me a couple of ways and let me pick one, I'm happy to make a decision for you. But we just, we need it done. And sometimes it's not the how, but you're going to have people who are going to ask what and why and how and then who. So you need to be able to answer that. Team member characteristics. First of all, you want to pray about whom God wants uh, on your team. Who does God want on your team? This has happened to me before where I've said, God, I want so-and-so on my team. And like I said a minute ago, God said, nope, that's not who you're getting on your team. And I may want somebody, but they may be so busy or they may be so involved doing their ministry that that's what they need to be doing. And so I need to come alongside them and, and encourage them and what God's called them to do. Don't be scared to launch someone else. I think that if I could say anything about the joy that I've had over the years, it's seeing people who are sold out for the Lord come alongside of me and then to to be able to launch them. Um, I've been able to watch some people be launched further. I mean, Mary Callahan sitting right here, I, you know, watched her uh, grow as a years and uh, as several years and through ministry and through being a student up at Southern through our um, Women's Ministry Institute and we're working with me and my heart call ministry that I wrote years ago at NAM that we're going to relaunch for evangelism training. But, you know, Mary is phenomenal. And when Mary and I can work together, great, we can. But, hey, I'm cheering her on as she does prison ministry. That's not where God called me. She's in Mississippi. That's where God's calling her. But praise God for that. But that doesn't mean that she's, you know, off, you know, we're never talking again. We're still keeping up and talking. So what happens is you're going to have some people, they may be with you for a time and for a season, but that's okay. 
Because God is going to work you together, and you're going to learn from each other, and you're going to grow together. I still, I'll talk about this in a minute, but I still call people and everybody I can find and ask questions and and try to learn because we never, never, ever quit learning. But who does God want on your team? Whom do you know that would want to serve? Do you know what? When you say, okay, I need a leader or I need some leaders for my ministry or to be on my team, there are some people out there who are not going to ever think that you mean them. They're just not going to know it. And so you're going to have to look, what are the qualities of these people? What do I see in them? One of the things that I've found effective, and I wish we had time to go into it today, to really look at spiritual gifts. But as I look at spiritual gifts, someone who has a gift of teaching, for instance, who is not spirit-filled, sometimes you can see what? Anybody know? Critical spirit. You see a critical spirit. So you may see the negative side of someone's gift before you see the positive side of that. If you have someone who is just critical of your ministry all the time, and every time you stand up, they're going to say something negative, you need to really pray and say, maybe they have the gift of teaching. They need to be spirit-filled, okay, first and foremost, but this is a potential person. They're a member of the body, so don't throw them out, but think about how they can minister to you. The lady who's real, and I say lady, doesn't have to be a lady, but who's really nosy and wants to know everything you're doing, maybe she's just trying to help you. Maybe she's a servant, and she's just looking for a way to serve. She just wants to help you. My pastor knew I was driving him crazy, but I just, I just want people to come to know the Jesus, okay? I wanted him to come to know the Lord. And so I wasn't there to try to bug him. I just wanted I just wanted it to happen. Can I organize outreach? Can I, you know, train people? Can I do anything, you know? And, okay, here, go talk to the Minister of Education. Great, okay, whatever works. But, but find something, and you may see negative qualities of people before you see positive. So who do you know, and what gifts might they bring to the table? Look for those that are compliments to you. We've really talked about that. Always keep in mind the person's season of life, which we've hit on that as well. I want you to remember these things, that integrity and passion are hard to teach. Yes, ma'am. Yes. I pray for them, and on occasion, I have gone and sat down with them and said, you know, I sense that you analyze things and seem to be good at you know, putting things together and maybe picking things apart. I wonder if we could, you know, get you some training so that you could use that in a positive way. I wouldn't just put them in a class, but maybe sit with a teacher and see. I think it's a one-on-one, and of course, you know, that's a blanket two-second answer. Um, But yeah, we want to take them where they are. I had a lady years ago who was so critical, and when we did a spiritual gift inventory, she had a teaching gift. It was her highest gift. And I was just floored. And she said, I can't believe I've got a teaching gift. No one would ever let me teach anything. And I said, well, you have a teaching gift because God gave it to you. So let's figure out how to, how to use it. And she went and took a bunch of stuff and had a mentor teacher that took her on. And she's been teaching Bible study for years. You would never, you would never know. I mean, because it just her heart wasn't right. But, but she's, she, yeah. 
you tell God on them too, you know, especially the critical spirits out there. You just tell God on them. I learned that from old Dean Bassanio. She said, you can't tell everybody else. You just tell God on them when things happen. But yes, you're going you're gonna to see negative sides of things and sometimes before the positive. Integrity is something that I wish could be taught. It can be learned, but I just, I think you need to choose people who have integrity. If you see an integrity issue with someone, then you need to ask them, and you need to be very careful about them serving on your team. I'm sure that I go to some extremes in some things and probably not as much in other things. But, for instance, if I am, when I was on the campus at Southern Seminary, and I would go when I would stay in the conference center, and obviously you're supposed to be in the office, okay? If you're on campus, you're supposed to be in the office. But a lot of times... My office is on the road. I'm meeting with students. I'm meeting with other teachers. I'm in in different meetings. So I was always careful to make sure my secretary knew exactly where I was. I said, if I'm still trying to get my hair to do something, I will tell you. I am not making this up. I've got a meeting on the other side of campus. I'm going to say, I haven't left the hotel room yet. I'm not going to make up that, oh, she's busy. Okay, I don't want you when you answer the phone to say she's still fixing her hair or her makeup's not on, but I do want her to be able to say uh, she's not in the office right now, but I, know, I want her to, to know where I am. I want her to know what I'm really doing. I want her to know who I'm going to lunch with, and, and if I can tell her why. I don't have to tell her details. On a, I never would on a counseling situation. But I want her to understand because I don't want it to come up of her thinking, oh, well, she's on campus. She's in town this week, but, but she hadn't been in the office. Okay? So as long as people know, it's not that you have to go around explaining that. I don't go to lunch with men. Okay? I, I mean, men are great. Women are great. There's a lot of women I don't go to lunch with, but I definitely don't go to lunch with men by myself, because I don't want it to look funny. I don't want someone to come in and go, who is that? Okay. And there was a time that my husband came up to Southern Seminary and we, you know, whisk in the front door and we'd already checked in and the girl at the desk kind of looked at me funny. And I thought, Hey, I'm, you know, we're going up and he got up to the top of the elevator and thought, she doesn't know this is my husband. I live in, in Texas and I'm in Louisville. And so I went back down the desk. I said, that's my husband. She said, well, I figured it probably was. Okay, time out. You figured it probably was? Integrity says, I want you to know it for sure is. Okay? I don't want there to be a question. That's the kind of life you need to leave. If you're worried about, do I turn in this on my expense report? Then don't. If there's a question, then don't. Write it down. This is what I was doing. Justify it. Write it all out. You want to make sure people understand what you're doing and why. And look for people with integrity. Look for people with passion that comes from the Lord. Then you want to be diverse in age, seasonal life, economic status, all those things. I need to move quickly. I just made a mistake of glancing at the clock. Okay. You need to look for people who are faithful, who are willing, who will serve underneath authority. You don't want someone who's not serving under authority. Then job descriptions, it's important to put those in place. You may be changing those every few months if you're a new church start, but you definitely want to make sure that they're there, make sure people understand 
what it is that they're to do. I usually will tell people as I'm starting a new ministry, which I've done that a lot, I will say to them, let's start a job description for you. It may only have two things on it this week, but next week it may have something else. And let's make sure we're talking about what else is adding so that you are not over, overwhelmed or overburdened. And by the way, I'm, I'm more than willing to make the PowerPoint available to anyone because I'm, I'm getting ready. So all you detail people, get ready, okay? You're not going to get to write all this down. Okay, I'm just warning you. The what is coming into play here. Um, don't make an announcement asking for leaders. Don't guilt your friends into serving. That's not always good. Or your family, as you know. Don't start a ministry until you know the, um, the direction and until you have the leader for it. There may be a Bible study that you want to start out of the prison. But until you have the right leader, you keep praying that God will send that. A lot of spiritual qualities, but these are the main things I want to end with. These are some of the ones that I see that get people. These are the things that I think as a leader that we need to for sure have and we need to instill and try to model with the people who serve with us. First of all, faithful with small. You need to look for people who don't have to have the platform when they walk in. Working with seminary students, I will tell you I was exactly the same way. That's why God's making me work with them again. I love students, but I have a love-hate relationship because they walk in and God has called them. And they are there to save the day, okay? And, and, and you know, my boss, Randy Stinson, would say, look, you are somebody where you came from. You are nobody here, you know, and, and that's kind of harsh But the truth is we need a little humility that's on the bottom of this list I have up here right here. But we need people who are faithful with small. If you go into a situation and all they're going to let you do is sharpen pencils, then you give them sharp pencils. If all they're going to let you do is work in the preschool area, and that's a phenomenal place to work. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But if it's not what you want to do, you serve and you serve faithfully because God will reward it. At my church, I was the fill-in secretary because that's the only job they had was somebody to fill in for vacation. And I showed up for work, and I was, you know, dressed. I figured if you want to be a minister, you need to look like one and act like one and talk like one and pray like one and keep your, you know, head straight like one and all those things. And I would go in and sit at that desk. I was terrible. I cut people off on the phone. I didn't mean to. I'm just, you know, I tried. I tried. And so they would say, okay, well, she shows up and she's smiling. Let's put her over here. And so they kept moving me around. And then finally they figured out, oh, women. Oh, yeah, women. What a great idea. Go take them. So whatever works. I got evangelism later after women started coming to know the Lord. They went, oh, well, people are coming to know the Lord. Okay, well, that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted people to come to know the Lord. Okay, so faithful with small. Passionate aim, that is something that God is going to have to give you. God needs to give you a passion for what you're doing. You may be in a job that you don't have a passion for it anymore. Okay, God is going to have to give you a passion for it. Pray that he gives it because Counterfeit passion is not pretty. Somebody going, oh, you know, we're all excited to be here, and they're not, is not good. Courageous risk-taking. Men are usually better than women at this, at taking risk. But you need to take risks that God is asking you and telling you to take. 
And if he's not calling you to it, don't take it. But you need to be with him. Humble servants, we just talked about. And then one more list for you. Decision making. Decision making is something that a lot of people find very easy to do. And more people find it very hard to do. They have a hard time making a decision and sticking with it. And so we need to make sure that the decisions we make come from God. And that he is giving direction. And then we're going to stick with that and follow it. At least follow it for a season. We're going to follow this this for the next year. We're going to do this until God shows us otherwise. If you're not, if you're wondering what direction to take, and maybe today you came in here and you're really praying, do I do this or do I do this? And you don't know. Well, you just keep praying, but keep going in the same direction that God gave you until He stops you and says, "Go this other way." I heard someone give the illustration on Sunday. If a plane takes off from Washington D.C it's just a matter of a few degrees whether they go to LA or whether they go up to Vancouver just a little degree can end up a really wrong direction so you always want to be praying about that and sticking with the decisions then balance is huge we must be balanced I can't do everything you can't do everything at once balance Hear me, is tension between the sides. If you have tension in your life with your ministry, with your home, welcome to the world. Okay? That's what it is. Tension means I'm trying to keep balance going. I'm constantly analyzing, am I spending too much time on this? Do I need to spend more time on this? I had a leader one time that was taking all of my energy every day. You know what I'm talking about? That person who you just think, oh my goodness, they're costing me four hours a day. I don't have four hours a day. I've got to figure it out. So I had to come back and say, okay, I'm only going to give them an hour a day. And I'm only going to give them this hour a day. And now I'm going to cut this down. And eventually I had to ask that person not to be on my team because they weren't emotionally ready and stable enough. But it is a balancing act, and we have to depend on the Lord to help us and see that. We then also, the next one is teachable. You want to look for people who are teachable. When I have other people call the seminary, and we have churches and, and certainly other you know, people from other places call and ask about our students. And one of the questions I find so interesting that they always ask is, are they teachable? Are you going to send me a know-it-all who knows and has all the answers? Or is this somebody who I can train and who is willing to learn things? You are going to learn in every situation. And as a leader, you still need to be teachable. And then you need to look for people who are teachable. And then mentoring. We need to mentor other people. I call mentoring sharing secrets. I want to share the secrets that I've learned so that you don't have to go through the negative things that I did. I hope we're all like that. I hope that I can learn from y'all. If you've got leadership tips on anything, please tell me, email me. I'll take all of that. Because what we want to do is learn together and grow together as God calls us to strengthen uh, what he's given us. And so we want to mentor and share those secrets with other people so that they'll 
know. And then, of course, we haven't said this outright, but a personal relationship with Christ. There is nothing more important than having a relationship with Christ. And so everything obviously starts with that. So I didn't want you to think that I left that off or something. That is the, really the most important thing is where the relationship is. Um, I said just a word about covenants. I said a word about creating a team environment. And then basically you want to be the leader that God calls you to be and let him show you um, how to lead. Let him be your strength. As I was coming here and even preparing to come here, this is one of those weeks for me that everything happens at once. Anybody else having one of those weeks? I mean, you just go, really? Really, did I really throw, uh, help throw a wedding reception last Saturday in another town? Uh, four hours from my town, did I really, am I really going to a wedding this coming weekend? Did I really just go to Richmond, Virginia yesterday and sit in meetings at IMB and now I'm here today and and, um, and you know, I did a video this morning. Really, did I just do that? And oh, oh my goodness, today's my dad's birthday. It's today's about it. Today is my dad's birthday. And tomorrow, I've got an article due. I, I completely forgot about it thousand words. So tonight when I can't see straight, I'm going to be writing again, probably whatever I just said to you. So, I mean, I have those weeks too. It's crazy, but, but let God be your strength. You can't do it. I can't do it. Praise God. Isn't it freeing just to say, I can't do it. I can't. And you can't either. Don't be hard on yourself. It's okay. God is your strength. Okay. Don't forget that. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you are our strength. Father, thank you that you give us gifts. Some of us may not have the gift of leadership or administration, but you've called us to lead. You have called us all as believers to lead. And Father, we want to grow Lord, thank you for the people that you've brought in this session. I am honored that they're here, Lord, and I humbly we just lay all this before you and say, Father, take us and mold us, use us so that people may come to know the difference that you can make in a life, Lord. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.